0: Good morning. I'd like to start our time together today inviting God into this moment, asking Him to show us what He wants us to see, to impress upon our hearts what He wants us to hear, to impress upon us what He wants for us in general, and what He wants us to know from Him through His Holy Spirit right now. The danger is, a lot of us are facing right now is that we're trying to figure it out on our own. So let's just do that together. Let's sit in this moment together and listen for the moving, stirring voice of our creator in the name of his Savior, Son, Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, your children want to listen. We want to know what you want for us. Would you reveal that to us now? God, in this moment, would you open our eyes to the things we cannot see and to the things that we don't want to see because of our sin? Would you show us the meaning of the gospel of love? Would you move us toward repentance? Would you move us toward forgiveness? God, move us toward unity. Jesus, you told your disciples to love each other the way that you had loved them, and that the world will know that we are yours by the way we love each other. What does that look like specifically for us now? Show us. Jesus, we profess to follow you. Show us what that means in deeper and more profound ways we ask this in your name, which is above all names. Amen.
1: Come now, fount of every blessing, and tune my heart to sing thy grace. Dreams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs about His praise
0: Teach me
1: some melodious song Sung by flaming tongues above Praise His name I'm fixed upon The name of God's Grace, how great a dead, daily I am constrained to be. But let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander Lord, I feel it, prone to. Take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above
2: Good morning, friends. I wanna share with you one of my favorite invitations of Jesus that is found in Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In this passage, Jesus invites us to take up what he calls the easy yoke that he has on offer to us all. That is an easy way to shoulder the weight of this life with love, joy, and peace. As I was meditating on this passage, it got me thinking of the kind of God that is behind this call, a good, good God who has our best interest in mind, a God who wants us to understand and really experience the good life properly understood. He's a God who is not distant or detached, but who is very personal, a God who is a loving Father to us, who cares about the details of our lives and wants to bear our burdens. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe invites us to bring whatever is weighing on us to Him, because He cares for us. So before we do anything else here today, let's just take a moment to go to God and give to Him what we're carrying. Let's do this together. Lord Jesus, there is no one as compassionate, kind-hearted, or engaged and daily as you. And you know better than any one of us the burdens and cares that are weighing us down. For many of us, we are weary. Our shoulders are not broad enough for the weight of this world. Our heart not big enough for the needs of this world. Our wisdom is not deep enough to discern everything that we are contending with. So we call out to you, our merciful and mighty God, and cast these needs upon you. For those of us who are confused, may you bring us godly clarity of mind. For those of us who are experiencing a spirit of frustration or anger, may your peace wash over us and be our experience too. For those of us who are withdrawn and detached, may you draw us into loving engagement. For those of us who are cold-hearted, may you fill us with the compassion of Jesus. For those of us who are worried about our financial well-being, may we trust your provision for our lives. For those of us who are steeped in cynicism, may you bring a fresh and hopeful trust in you. For those of us who feel alone and disconnected, would you fill us with a profound sense of your presence, and may we be awakened to simple ways we can move towards others. For those of us who are feeling overwhelmed with a sense of loss right now, May you give us a vision of all that is good and true and a creativity and trusting joyful positivity to adapt to our fluid circumstances. Lord, for these and so much more, we bring it all to you. As we are aware of our limits, may we be even more aware of your limitless mercy, grace, power, and peace. May we trust in your sufficiency to provide for our needs, whatever they may be, knowing you know what we need. And may we remember that in you, we have everything we need for this life and our journey of faith. What a great promise to cling to. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold. I could never keep my hold through life will hold me fast Precious in His holy sight He will hold me fast He'll not let my soul be lost His promises shall last Poured by Him at such a cost He will hold Christ will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raised with Him to end his life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight. And he comes at last
3: today we'll be looking at Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, where we're challenged to spur one another on. Again, this is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord.
4: This summer we are exploring the one another's of scripture, and today we look at a great verse that has a really famous one another that's found in verse 24, where the author says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then in verse 25, let's consider how to encourage one another. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to talk about the need to spur one another on and encourage one another. And then I wanna end by asking the question, how do we do that well? So first, the need. Verse 24, I love the way that NIV puts it, this idea of spurring one another on. And I'm intrigued by that word spur, uh, it, of course, conjures up this old Western image, right, of somebody riding a horse uh, who's wearing a spur. And so you might have a, a horse that is stagnant or sluggish or tired or just kind of standing there that needs a little, little spur, needs a little prodding to move on. Uh, the ESV actually translates this as, let us stir up one another. So the image it gives us is of, is of a, it's like water that is stagnant, It needs a little mixing, needs a little stirring up. And I just think in this time, like we can all relate to the image of that horse, uh, the image of that water. I think a lot of us are experiencing a spiritual stagnation, uh, spiritual apathy, a sense of being tired and just kind of worn down. Um, One of you wrote me an email this week where you included the phrase, the COVID malaise. And I thought, what a great description of of what we're experiencing. Just the COVID malaise. It's just the cumulative effect of all things COVID on our lives that just can leave us kind of in this, this kind of spiritually blah place. And that's how I would describe my myself in lots of weeks in the last four months. Just I feel spiritually blah. <laughs> I don't know else to say it. But there's all sorts of reasons for that, all that this, we're getting hit with and uh, and even, I think, having our usual rhythms thrown off, uh, I think, can be really hard. You know, we don't have our weekly rhythms in the same ways, and uh, we might have adopted other rhythms that aren't so great with that extra, you know, glass of wine at night, that extra bottle of beer, that extra hour of TV, that extra night of staying up later, and we just have our rhythms out of place. And, and it's really easy to be in this place of, of spiritual lethargy and apathy, and what we need is is a spurring. We need someone to come alongside and say, come on, let's let's keep moving. Let's keep loving. Let's keep living well. So spur, there's a need for that right now. And then the other word in verse 25 is, let us encourage one another. And the, the Greek word behind that has a range of meanings. Some of the, the, the meanings are, are softer, like let's comfort or console one another. And some of them are stronger words like uh, or stronger meanings like exhort. But I, I really like the word encourage. I think it's a great word. And inside of it is obviously the word courage. And that's what we're trying to do when we encourage someone. We're, we're trying to come alongside them and infuse courage into the situation so they can get up and, and live well and, and do what they're supposed to do. And I think that's particularly relevant right now because I think there's a lot of discouragement right now. And I know a lot of us in leadership at church, as we've been engaging some of you, we have recognized, especially in this last two or three weeks, really this common theme of just discouragement that people are experiencing. And I think it's partly as, as the spikes hit again and, and the restrictions tighten up. I think that was really discouraging for a lot of people. It's like our spiritual reserves are kind of on empty after four months, and now there's another hit with that that's been challenging. I think the The division, uh, this disunity in our nation has been really discouraging to many of you. Um, I think the isolation has been discouraging for many of you. And then I think for some families hearing this news that most likely schools are gonna go all online in the fall uh, has been really challenging. And now you're scrambling to try to figure out, okay, what are the logistics of that for us this fall? So all of that has led to a lot of of discouragement. And the temptation is to lose courage, to, to feel up by it all and to just want to lie around and so we need someone to come alongside us and and encourage us give us courage again to move forward in the ways that we're supposed to move forward all that to say there is this need for spurring one another on right now for encouraging one another and that is the beauty of the body of christ the beauty of the body of christ is that's what we get to do for one another living in community with one another allows us to do that. I was reminded this week of a really well-known passage in Ecclesiastes 4, where the author says, two are better than one. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. He's just commenting on the strength of friendship and community in hard times. And, you know, that's what Hebrews is all about. In chapter 12, the author will give us this famous image of life as this race, that we're to run this race. And it's really, he's given the image of a marathon. It's a long distance race. But the beauty is we don't run the race alone. We get to run the race together with one another, spurring one another on in the race. And those of you that have done long distance running, uh, or maybe even done a marathon and have done that together with a friend or a, you know, a couple of friends where you've done that together, you know the strength of running that race in community with other people. Because the truth is, everyone that's ever run a marathon, I haven't, but they'll tell me at some point in the race, you will hit a wall. It, is, it will happen every time you'll hit a wall. But the great thing is you don't usually hit the wall all together at the same time, right? You hit it at different times. And so when one of you hits the wall, the other is there to encourage, to spur, and then the roles get reversed as the race goes on sometimes. I know this is like a tired and outdated uh, analogy, but I could not help but think about The Lord of the Rings and and the, the story of Sam and Frodo and this, this marathon journey they had towards Mordor that was full of challenges and uh, moments of confusion, moments of despair. And I think one of the beauties of the way Tolkien tells that story is that each one of them hits these moments of like giving up and moments of despair, but they never hit it at exactly the same point. And so sometimes it's Frodo that just continues to carry the weight of this ring and to charge ahead while Sam is frustrated and feeling lost and not knowing what they're doing. And then other times the role is reversed and and Frodo's completely exhausted from the weight of the ring. And Sam's the one who comes alongside and encourages. And actually, at one point, he, he literally carries his friend um, up the mountain. And, and that It's a beautiful picture of what life in the church is to be, that we all experience times of discouragement and times of spiritual apathy and stagnation. It just, it happens to all of us, but it doesn't happen to all of us at exactly the same time. And so we can come alongside one another and encourage one another and spur one another on. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. So that's the need. The need is obvious at this time. I think we are all feeling it. So I want to now turn to the question of how do we do this? Like, how do we actually spur one another on well? How do we encourage one another well? And first, I want to just acknowledge the obvious that, of course, there's no one right way to do this. Um, There are many great ways to do this. And to that point, I love the word consider in verse 24. Let us consider how to spur one another on. He doesn't just say, let's spur one another on. He says, no, let's actually consider, and the idea is encouraging people, spurring people on requires consideration. Sometimes you have to step back and think about a person and go, what would be encouraging to them? How can I do that in ways that will actually be helpful for them? And of course, there's all sorts of different ways to do that. For some of us, spurring and encouraging will kind of take this very warm tone to it, right? Like sometimes what encouragement looks like for us is we just need someone to be with us. We need someone to Come alongside us and just listen to what we're going through. We need someone just to hear us out, someone to express what we're going through, to empathize with us. We, we don't need answers sometimes. We don't want someone to come in and you know try to fix it. We just want them to be with us. We want the warmth of their presence. Sometimes um, we just need someone to pray with us in, in a moment of discouragement. Sometimes it might be just a note, uh, timely note that's written uh, at just the right time for us, or maybe it's a meal given to us. I mean, there's all these ways, but sometimes I think spurring and encouragement will look like this warm, soft presence. And other times I think it can be this strong presence that we need. We need actually sometimes someone to step in and say, okay, come on, get up. Let's, let's keep going, you know, like let's, um, let's read this thing together and let's talk about it. Um, let's engage in this thing together and let's have accountability to do it. And here's some things that let's not do this right now. Like let's avoid these things. These aren't very helpful for us, but sometimes we need that, that strong presence to come in and kind of prod us and, and exhort us in a way. There's always going to be this combination of warmth and strength, I think, to spurring and encouragement. When I, when I look at the people who are most encouraging, whose presence is encouraging in my life, they have this combination of warmth and strength. And so we all wanna bring that to one another and we'll all do that in different ways, according to our giftedness, according to our wiring. All that to say, obviously, there's no one way to spur one another on and to encourage each other. Uh, But that being said, I do want to leave us with one way that I think is universal to us all, one way to spur on and to encourage that we all can engage in. And before I share what it is, i want to just remind us of what we're spurring one another on towards so verse 24 says let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds so that's what we're trying to encourage one another towards towards loving each other and towards good deeds and so the question i have for you today is this what actually moves people towards genuine love and genuine good deeds, or ask yourself what moves you in life towards a place where you are motivated to genuinely love people well and you're motivated to doing good things in this world. And you're motivated not out of a sense of guilt or duty or obligation, but you're motivated out of a sense of a, a real and genuine desire to do those things. Like what actually works for you so that you are moved towards love and good deeds. And here's my answer, and I know there's more than one, but here's my answer. Is it not a fresh reminder of the gospel? I mean, when I think of my own life, what genuinely moves me towards wanting to love people well and wanting to do good out of this place of a genuine desire, it is always some fresh reminder of the gospel. What I mean by that is a fresh reminder of God's goodness his grace towards me, the, the amazingly generous way He's dealt with me, the gospel that leaves me grateful, that leaves me humbled, and that leaves me longing to live well in light of it, that gives me a sense of security by which I can then go and love others and do good in this world. And so I think that is one of the best ways that we can spur one another on, that we can encourage each other, is by giving one another fresh reminders of the gospel. And I don't mean that in like a preachy way where you're necessarily quoting verses, but I mean you come alongside one another and you and you share the ways that you are experiencing the gospel right now. The ways that that you are being encouraged by what God is up to in your life. The the truths in scripture that God is bringing to your heart and and impressing in your heart that's changing you. Like when I hear you share those kinds of things. That's one of the most encouraging things I can receive for my own spiritual journey. So that's what I wanna leave us with is this idea of giving each other fresh reminders of the gospel to encourage and spur one another on. And that is exactly what this passage does actually. And in fact, what this whole book, the book of Hebrews does, the, the author of Hebrews is dealing with a group of Christians who had grown very discouraged spiritually and very apathetic spiritually. And the reason was for them, they were experiencing a lot of persecution and it had been happening over time. And they've just been kind of worn down and they were starting to wonder, is this even worth it? Like is trying to follow Jesus worth it in this? And so the writer's writing them to encourage them. And really his solution is just to remind them of the gospel again and again. And that's what he does in this beautiful way in our passage So let me remind you of the gospel through this passage. Let me read to you these verses, verse 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So let me just stop there. In a word, he is saying we can have confidence before God. That's the gospel. And he's drawing on all this Old Testament temple language and and imagery to help them. And he's reminding them of of the most holy place in the temple. And the most holy place was the inner sanctuary of the temple in Jerusalem. um, That was this, this little space behind this curtain. And it was considered the most holy real estate in all the world. No human being was allowed to enter this most holy place. Only one person, only the high priest, and only him once a year on the Day of Atonement, and only with lots of blood, lots of sacrifice. And that's the way the Old Testament system worked. And so through the sacrificial system and the temple system, God gave the people a way to experience forgiveness and to experience a relationship with him. But I think that system also left them with this nagging question in their hearts, which was, will this year's sacrifice be accepted? I mean, these sacrifices have to constantly be offered. And so I'm wondering, will this keep on working? What they may have lacked at times was full confidence. And so the writer of Hebrews is is telling us, now you can have total confidence because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And here's what He has done. He has offered Himself as the perfect sacrifice for sin, and He's done it once for all. He's not a sacrifice that needs to be repeated year after year or even day after day. His is a perfect sacrifice for all sins past, present, and future. He's done it. It is finished. He is the perfect sacrifice and he is the perfect high priest, he says in these passages, who now ministers in the temple in heaven where God is seated in his heavenly temple. And Jesus is there as our great high priest, and he offers intercessions for his people. And God the Father always listens to his Son and receives his prayer. And so, we can now have total confidence in our relationship with God. We can, as he goes on to say in verse 22, we can draw near. Let me read verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Beautiful image of being washed clean, purified, cleansed from our guilt through Jesus' sacrifice. So then what can we do now? We can draw near to God in confidence. And maybe that is an invitation you need to hear from God this morning. You can draw near to me in confidence. And maybe there's all sorts of reasons right now where you're hesitant to draw near to Him, or you're distracted, or you're apathetic, and you're just, you're not drawing near. And maybe you need to hear that fresh invitation from Him this morning draw near to me again, I will draw near to you. In fact, I have already drawn near to you in Jesus Christ. You're cleansed, you're purified, you can have confidence to step in my presence, so draw near to me. That is the gospel. And we need to be reminded of that gospel every single day of our lives. Let me leave you with this thought. Um, I don't think the gospel is something that we ever move beyond. Meaning like, yeah, you have to learn the gospel, but then as you mature, you move beyond it to other things. I think spiritual maturity is is really nothing more and, and nothing less than going deeper and deeper into our understanding and our experience of the gospel so that we are rooted and grounded in it. And we live from that place of confidence and assurance every single day. And then we can move out from that place and spur one another on and encourage each other towards love and good deeds. So, let's remind ourselves of the gospel. Let's remind one another of the gospel. And let's consider how we might spur one another on towards faith in the gospel that then gets expressed in terms of love and good deeds.
3: So with Dave, we looked at two words, spur and encourage, but there's another word in this passage that we wanna look at, and that's the word consider, to think about, to contemplate how we might spur one another on and encourage each other. So we're gonna take some time to do that today together through prayer. But before we do, I just want to mention that if you're feeling particularly discouraged, I think some of, sometimes one of the ways that God can encourage our heart is by having us reach out and care for other people. So wherever you're at, let's all take some time to identify a couple people that God may want us to encourage during this time. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now with our hearts and... Just ask that you would come and reveal yourself to us and reveal who you want us to reach out to. We just take some time right now to consider who is somebody that you want us to encourage, maybe one or two people. Will you place those names on our hearts, Lord? And Father, as your spirit leads us to reach out to these people, we ask you now to give us wisdom as to how we can best encourage them, how we can best love them, what would be a a part of spurring them on. Will you give us a vision for what that looks like for each of these people? We just take some time to pause now and listen to you. Father, you intimately know each of the people that you've placed on our minds, that you've put on our hearts. Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom as to how we can love well, how we can be encouraging to these people. Lord, I also ask that you would, by your spirit, move us to do this, to do the things you've called us to do as we listen to you, to meet the, meet the needs of these people that you've placed on our hearts to love them and spur them on to love and good deeds. Father, I pray that we be a community that is truly encouraging one another, that we see each other, that we reach out in the ways that you've invited us to as a church body. And I pray that for those who might be feeling particularly discouraged, even as we're praying now, I ask that you would meet them in that moment, that you would fill their hearts with your peace and your joy and your hope. And God, we, may we all be extensions of that peace, joy, and hope. We pray this in your name. Amen.
0: We've been hearing about the confidence that we have in Jesus. Let's sing now about that confidence in Jesus, our rock and our redeemer.
1: on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest spray, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. darkness hides His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anger holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. covenant his blood support me in the overwhelming flood when all around my soul gives way he then is all my hope and stay on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand all other ground is sinking sand Righteousness alone, for less to stand before the throne on Christ the Son.
2: Well, we hope our time together has been an encouragement to your life and faith, and we invite you to consider the reflection questions that we provided for you, which will be on the screen in a moment. Let me just end our time with this benediction from Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever
0: and ever. Amen.